What's going on, ladies and gents? Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and today I have special guest Robin Switzer on the line. How are you, Robin? I'm great. It's great to have you. We had to reschedule this twice, I think, because we had technical difficulties, but we are up and running now, so let's make the magic happen. Robin, tell me... A little bit. I mean, you are kind of like the brains behind KetoCon. If, if I feel like it's pretty fair to say that, right? Um, okay, I'll take the credit. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that's a pretty just statement. I, I run KetoCon. <laughs> yeah, and KetoCon is coming up. I guess we can do a quick little plug for KetoCon just, just because sure. we're talking about it. So do you want to kind of, you know, use this this time to just say what KetoCon is? I, I've talked about it on my platform quite a bit, but it's the first conference that I ever had the opportunity to speak at, which was a huge opportunity for me because, you know, you and Brian, y'all believed in me before anybody else did. So I, I'm forever grateful for you. Well, well, thank you. You, you made it really easy, though. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. So, so yeah, tell people what, to, what is KetoCon, when's it happening, how can they sign up and get involved real quick? Sure. Uh, KetoCon is June 28th, 29th, and 30th in Austin, Texas at the Palmer Event Center. It's actually the same venue that um, PaleoFX uses for their annual conference. And KetoCon is focused on the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. So it's coined KetoCon, the science and stories of keto. Um, so we have a really strong mix of the science of keto and all of the latest research and the stories of keto. So relatable, real life people who have used the ketogenic diet and lifestyle, various protocols that are uh, tweaks of the ketogenic diet to treat or address metabolic disorders, type 2 diabetes, epilepsy, weight loss is a big one, Alzheimer's. So there's anything that the ketogenic diet can apply to, um, we try to cover in this conference. That's one of the huge things that stands out about KetoCon as a conference as opposed to the others. I mean, I like them all. They all have their own strengths and weaknesses, I guess. But when I'm at KetoCon, it's like the the vibe itself is just more, um, I don't know what the word would be, but just it's it's not just the the chemistry and the science. It's not just doctors. It's just everyday people that are easy to connect and relate with. Yeah. So that's that's a tough, that's a, like a really fine line to walk when you're putting together an event like this to have a really good mix of that. But I think we found our happy spot where how we go about doing that. And um, so the, the whole goal in us putting all of this, is, this together is to have one place where it's kind of a, a mix of learning, fun, festival, food, anything that uh, is related <laughs> to all of those things and related to keto. So what I've found is that most of the people walk away with a feeling of community that it's really hard to find um, outside of like social media groups because we're all kind of scattered all over the country. Although the ketogenic diet is becoming more and more popular uh, with people, like I said, scattered all over the place, it's really hard to connect with people who live the lifestyle that you live and, uh, you know, put together like social groups that just kind of mix into the way that you live. So I think that, I think that's part of the reason why we were so successful so quickly is because people found a community here mm -hmm. and, you know, coming together for three days at KetoCon is like kind of coming together at a family reunion. And I see a lot of people uh, that meet on social media, connecting 
to meet, you know, in person at KetoCon. I see a lot of that. It was kind of crazy. Like the first time I went to the the first year, this is only the third year that it's it's been in yeah. effect this year is. But the first year when I went, that was, the, like I said, the first conference I'd been to. And I was very, you know, strong towards keto. I'd been keto for quite a while at that point, but I wasn't really in the space very deeply, so to speak. But after leaving that conference, Crystal and I both were like driving back home and looked over at each other and we're like, this is 100% the direction that I want to take my life. I'm so fired up right now. Let's just dig deep and make it happen. Yeah. There's a, I mean, that's, I, I get a lot of, uh, a lot of positive feedback in that regard that people just leave very motivated and it's kind of validating to go to a place where there's so many people who are who are doing what you're doing and who are supportive of each other from all walks of life. Companies that come to KetoCon are the big, really big companies and the really small startup companies. And um, it people walk away just fired up. Plus, you're in the heart of like the barbecue capital of the world. Which is a big, big plus too. <laughs> yeah, Brian's trying to get me to move to Austin. <laughs> Yeah, where where are you located? Uh, I live in St. Petersburg, Florida. Florida. Okay, so yeah, Brian's right there in Austin. Yes. There's a there's a pretty big you know keto community popping up in Austin specifically. I think Austin and parts of California and probably mm -hmm. parts of Florida are like the three main hubs for keto. It seems. Yeah, it it seems that way to me too. So when I look at the ticket sales, I mean people are coming from all over the country and outside of the country too, but. Uh, when you look at the, the largest percentages of people, they're coming from California, uh, Florida, all parts of Texas, and New York and Chicago. Those are the biggest ones. Those are the biggest uh, Those are the biggest populations of cities that we get attendees from. They're definitely not coming from Arkansas. I think I may be the only keto individual in Arkansas. <laughs> 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 That's funny. So, so what what makes this year, we're kind of going off a tangent here, but this is all relevant. So I'm glad we're talking about it in the beginning. But what makes this year unique to KetoCon as opposed to the last two years? First of all, I have to take my hat off to you. The first two years were awesome. And it being the first two years of the conference existence, I mean, I was blown away about how well it was run and put together. But what what's going to make this year unique and different? Well, thank you for saying that, Robert. It means a lot to me. Um, so the different this year, a lot of ways, one is just to act the size of the event. So we went from in year one, we had 545 attendees in year two, we had 890 something or 870 something. And we've already sold 1800 tickets, close to 2000 wow. tickets. Now I haven't checked this morning, but once we had on all of the exhibitors and their staff and. Um, the tickets that get sold in the next seven weeks, we're going to be at 2,500 people easily. So we've gone from 500 to 2,500 three years. That's huge. That's amazing. Huge growth. And I mean, we're lucky because we're in the right place at the right time. But we also really worked hard to make this an event that would be repeatable. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in year one, I had um, I had just left my corporate America job. <laughs> like three months before I started working with Keto Evangelist full time. And um, I had been working behind the scenes for about a year. But so in three months, once I finally quit my job, we put together the first KetoCon, the final, the final, we pulled it all together in three months. It was pretty amazing. And we learned from that. We got so excited about all of the feedback that we got. We decided to do it again. And now it's just blown up into this, 
I mean, it takes a year to put all of this together. So yeah, we're pretty excited. The things that are happening different, since I'll, I promise I will answer your question. I mean, the size is the first thing. It's just grown tremendously. But um, I think the first year we had 30 exhibitors. We're going to have 113 this year. Wow. So That's insane. It is insane. And uh, thankfully, a lot of companies have, you know, jumped into this space. So that gives us an opportunity to bring them into this event and showcase them to the attendees. We, we do have a banned ingredient list, though. So we had to turn away a lot of companies because one of the things that we've always really pushed hard for is, you know, all of these products, if they're really going to be beneficial to someone, then they need to, they, the ingredients need to be clean. And so we've worked really hard to walk that line and it's really difficult, but um, yeah, so we've got a lot of really, really great product manufacturers. Well, that really speaks to the integrity of the, of what y'all bring to the table. I mean, it's, it's easier to allow everybody cause it's going to bring in more vendors for you, you know, more revenue coming in from the vendors wanting to set up a booth, but it distracts from the message you're trying to really get across. So the fact that you're willing and able to turn down people that are not on the same page as that message, that speaks to the quality of the content you're bringing in and the quality of the vendors you're bringing in and just the, the conference as a whole. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's some, it's difficult sometimes to say no. <laughs> yeah. But well, keto um, bricks are going to be there. We're going to have a booth set up. It's, it's this, this time we're going to put some effort into the booth. Last year was kind of thrown together last minute, but <laughs> we're going to do our best to pull our weight there. What are, what are your plans for your booth? So we're going to have uh, my, my entire keto brick crew is coming. Like everybody that helps make the bricks. They all are super excited about the conference. They're all going to come there. We got a big Airbnb for everybody to stay at. Awesome. And we're going to have this awesome booth set up with some kind of challenge. I think I've narrowed down the challenge a little bit. I was originally going to bring like a full-blown squat rack and have like people doing squats, but that might not be up to code and that wouldn't fit behind the booth. So I had to kind of <laughs> get a little bit more creative, but we're going to figure out something that's going to be fun for sure. Cool. Uh, so that kind of is, that's kind of a good lead into something that we're doing differently this year. Um, Every day the show will start at 8.45 with opening ceremonies. And then uh, each day, first speaker will start at 9 o'clock. Uh, and then we go until lunchtime. We take an hour and a half break for lunchtime and then have speakers in the afternoon as well. But this year, we're s the last speaker, the last panel will be over around 4. And after that, the exhibitor hall will be open for activities so the exhibitor hall, the way the Palmer Event Center is designed, it's all one super large, really big conference hall. And um, so everything is in that one room with the exception of the breakout rooms that are on the second floor. So um, the exhibitor hall is open all day, every day, but between 4 and 6.30, that's when there will be activities in, in, uh, on the exhibitor floor. So all of the exhibitors will be doing giveaways and having special sales, and doing special contests and uh, promotions for everybody that sticks around. So that's new for us this year. The other thing that's new for us this year is that Saturday night, uh, after we close the hall or close the exhibitor hall, I'm sorry, we're hosting a jazz concert slash mixer slash book signer, book signing uh, on the second floor. So we hired a band to come in and play and 
Um, right now, I think we have about 150 people coming to that. And um, there'll be a uh, cash bar upstairs. And it's really just for mingling and socializing for anybody who still has any juice left in them from se at 7 o'clock at night after going all day on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be awesome though. That'll be that should bring in some people for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It is exhausting though. There's no there's no joke like being on top of your feet and on on your game all day long. I mean that that is <laughs> that is draining. It is. It it really is. Um, you know, on Friday night we have the VIP and speaker dinner. You were there last year, right? And so we're ho we're hosting that again this year. It'll be at the same venue. Um, but this year, uh, Butcher Box is um, providing all of the meat for the dinner. And so uh, this year, we're focused on, <laughs> on the meat and salmon. So that should be a lot of fun uh, on Friday night. The other thing that's happening over the weekend that uh, is going to be a surprise to the attendees, but I'm going to tell it anyway because I'm super excited about it. Uh, Vinny Tortorich is speaking at KetoCon this year. And nice. for anybody that doesn't know who he is, he's the he's the person who coined the phrase no sugar, no grains. And he's written books and he's also um, getting ready to release a movie um, called Fat, the documentary, which he had a Kickstarter for for well over a year now. Well, um, Vinny's going to be speaking at KetoCon and he's planning on showing a uh, shortened version of the film at KetoCon as well. So awesome. That'll be really exciting. Vinny's a, he's a cool guy. He should bring in some guests for sure. I had him on the podcast and his, he's got like a very unique style and flair about him. <laughs> he's a funny guy to talk to. <laughs> he is a lot of fun to talk to. He's a good guy. Um, he, uh, his company, Pure Vitamin Club, will also be at KetoCon this year. So that'll be, that'll be nice. We also have a couple of cooking demos scheduled on Friday and Saturday afternoon um, while all of those exhibitor hall hours are going and all these promotions are going, we're also going to be doing cooking demos for about an hour on Friday afternoon and Saturday afternoon. That'll be good. Uh, and Saturday morning, there is, we did this last year, but um, this year it's already triple the size. We're doing uh, an entrepreneur mastermind session. So we have a group of um, entrepreneurs who have been um, successfully building businesses that uh, are forming a panel to talk about what they're doing, what they've done, and um, their growth goals, and then to answer questions from the audience uh, specifically about starting a business or growing a business, being in this space and growing a business. So that'll be pretty that, awesome too. Yeah, that'll be that'll be awesome. I get a lot of questions about business just as much as keto it seems lately and mm -hmm. i don't know like business and keto nutrition i mean the, they go hand in hand if you're trying to get into the space and i'm incredibly passionate about that so that'll be worth attending for sure well i i'm hoping that maybe next year you'll be on the panel so that um, people can hear from you because you've done a pretty incredible job well i would absolutely love that that'd be that'd be an honor for sure it's um i don't know like that that's just another outlet that i want to be able to help people in any way i can because you know, after I quit my corporate America job and, and dove into this, it's been it's been a journey for sure. It hasn't been easy. There's been a lot of ups and downs, but I wouldn't yeah. do it any other way. Yeah, absolutely. So with all that said, you know, talk about what brings you into this space. Like, why are you as involved as you are? What makes you so passionate about keto? Like, bring bring me up to speed on 
your story, kind of the behind the scenes of Rob? Well, um, you know, somebody asked me about this the other day, and it was really hard for me to put together a, like a summary of what brought me here. Um, I, uh, let me just say that I, I come from a background of uh, insulin resistance, metabolic disorder from a very early age, and uh, I had no idea what it was. But even at a young age, I was uh, somehow or another intuitively knew that what was going on had something to do with what I ate. And I remember like in my late teens, early 20s, thinking to myself, the only time I feel good is if I just don't eat any. That kind of led to uh, years of disordered eating. And then um, in addition to that, addicted kind of behaviors with eating. And it wasn't until I was in my uh, late 30s that um, I found, or maybe mid 30s, I found low carb. And I started eating low carb to the dismay of everybody. Every single person around me thought I was crazy, but they all, but if, in my family, it was always kind of like, what's Robin eating now? What's she doing? What's she up to now? But um, I found low carb and that addressed some of my issues temporarily, but I always seemed to find my way back to disordered eating uh, and body image disorder and kind of messy. <laughs> And through my childbearing years, I, you know, I have two grown sons and I found keto through, you know, being low carb and that no longer addressing the issues I was having. That worked really well for me. So I immediately found relief from some of the, from some of the health issues that I was having. I had PCOS, um, had, you know, I was carrying around an extra 20, 30, 40 pounds at any given time. And so keto addressed all of that. But then again, with keto, <laughs> um, over the past couple of years, when I started working in this space, joining Keto Evangelist and putting together this conference, I found that my stress levels were so high that um, I my disordered eating behavior came back. And it was all keto food, but it was still disordered eating. And when you say disordered eating, how did that manifest itself? for you? Um, overeating the wrong foods. Like in the keto space, it's so easy because you can, there's so, there's so many foods that, um, that you can easily overeat. So I didn't realize I had issues with dairy. I didn't realize I had issues with nuts or eggs and I was eating a lot of those. Things. So, you know, the, um, I had to move myself away from that and, um, get through that I had to really just remove everything. I went on an elimination protocol about six months ago, and I've stayed pretty much carnivore for the past three months, which has really cleaned up every every um, symptom I was having. So the, I had struggled with anxiety and depression and trying to keep myself going with those stress levels hard. And the stress is mostly tied into like all the all that you have on your plate with regards to like the conference and just career path you've chosen and performance anxiety probably <laughs> yeah so it's easy to do yeah it is and you know what i came from an environment where i worked in, in corporate america i worked uh for a large global bank and mm -hmm. in that environment your performance is really the only way you survive and uh you know it's kind of like a fear-based culture you perform or you're gone period and I kind of carried that on my back into my transition 
So um, it took it took me a long time to to move away from that mindset that you know the world wasn't going to end if something went wrong. That kind of anxiety. So, um, but if I if I look back on all of this and and tell you and try to tell you what brought me here, I dealt with uh, hormonal issues. I dealt with PCOS. I dealt with anxiety and depression, and over the course of my lifetime, I always knew it had something to do with what I was eating somehow. And uh, I've all these years just kept on trying to find the right thing that worked for me that fit. And uh, and so now here I am. How, how in the world did you and Brian meet up? Like, how did that union form? <laughs> That's a better story. Well, I, you know, when, when I found keto, I had been in, on Facebook and all these different groups. And uh, I was in one of the keto evangelist groups. I think it was ketogenic success. And that's one of our largest couple hundred thousand people in that group. And Brian posted something about needing a project manager. And, you know, I had been listening to the podcast. I had been following everything in the groups. And I had also been looking for a way to get out of corporate America because um, I knew that I knew that I needed to make a change. And I had always had this interest in health and wellness, nutrition. And when I saw that post that Brian made, I, I thought to myself, there is no way that I have the qualifications to do that. Um, you know, I've been a sales manager in, at a global bank for years, and I, I know how to manage people, but I'm, I'm not a project manager. So mm -hmm. but I thought, what the hell? <laughs> I just could talk to Brian anyway, because I thought he was a pretty cool dude. And so we arranged a call. We talked once or twice, and then, I don't know, Maybe a month later, I was working for him on the side and uh, starting to get involved in everything related to Keto Evangelist. And I couldn't, um, I couldn't work for him as a paid employee because I had a non-compete with the bank. So I just kept on working um, and just getting acclimated to everything that was underneath the Keto Evangelist umbrella and all of those, just all of the different business lines. Um, and then about a year later, we went on our, our the whole Keto Evangelist team, the core team, we went on a, uh, we went on one of the low carb cruises to Alaska and we had so much fun together that um, when it was all over, I said to Brian, you know, I don't really know what I'm waiting for. I'm just going to go ahead and quit my job now. And I probably scared him because he wasn't ready for me to come work for him all the time. But that's what happened. And then the next thing you know, um, I think that was May, uh, May, and then June, July, August, three months later was KetoCon. That's crazy. That's, that's, that's the beauty of it though. Like <laughs> once you find what you're passionate about and it gets you excited to wake up and go to work, the amount of quality work that you can put out is just so far and above, above and beyond what you could ever do, like in a corporate setting where you don't feel alive. Right. That's so true. So now what keeps me going and, and I mean, I enjoy what I do every single day. First of all, I get to talk, I get to hang out with cool people and talk to cool people like you. Um, I get to meet, you know, uh, all the people from all walks of life. Uh, the, the product manufacturers that I get to work with, everybody seems to be on the same um, path. Like we're all, everybody seems to come to this space from a, um, your crisis becomes your passion kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's that seems to be the glue that holds people together. They find this 
They find this space that where it makes sense for them personally in their life. And then they build out this community with the people that they meet and collaborate with. And it's just, you know, it's taken on a life of its own. And so for me, I get to work in this all day, every day. This is three years ago when I decided I was going to do this. This is exactly what I pictured myself doing. Exactly what I'm doing right now. And you probably work harder now than you ever did at the bank, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. How how did you... I'm I'm curious because I I feel like you and I are very similar type A personalities when it comes to getting (laughs) things done. What what did you do or how did you kind of wrap your head around moving away from that performance anxiety that you alluded to earlier? Well, um, I guess from experience. So, I mean... uh, you know, I was terrified of making a mistake because that's what brought down the axe when you worked for a large bank. Mm-hmm. But I made mistakes and no axe fell. So over time, um, you know, the experience of everything's going to be okay just kind of happened organically. But the other thing is, um, honestly, I started meditating again. And that has helped me a lot. <laughs> Uh, to kind of like sit back, take a deep breath and look at everything that's happening without an emotional tie to it, which is so difficult. Um, but once you remove that emotional tie to it, um, and realize that a mistake is not a a reflection of your ability or who you are, it's very simply a mistake and things go wrong, period no matter whether you obsess about it or not, whether you beat yourself up for it or not, things happen and it doesn't change who I am, the amount of effort I put into what I do or the passion that I have for it. So I don't know if any of that makes sense, but it just took me a long time to find a place where I could be mindful enough to see all of that. Yeah, that, that reminds me a lot of the whole you know stoicism and, and the stoic principles that... Mm-hmm. I'm big into it. Are you familiar with stoicism? I am. Yeah, it's a, I don't know, like approaching any kind of obstacle in your life with that type of mentality of not viewing it through an emotional lens of being good or bad, but just as it is. Right. It, it really allows you to be strategic in how you approach it so that you can leverage it into a positive, whatever it is, whether it seems negative at the, at the onset, you know? Right. Right. And so, uh, I, you know, I, I, I owe Brian a lot of thanks for that because, I mean, I was work, working directly for Brian. So um, the mistakes that I made could have, if he were a different person, could have turned into explosions. And believe me, we had plenty of explosions, but it was never about anything that any a mistake that I made. Yeah, I feel like Brian, he, he's pretty quiet. Like, I, I don't know him near as well as you do, but in the time that I've spent with me, seems to be a very, you know, level-headed person. Like he, he understands that mistakes are going to happen and he's not going to, he, he knows that you're going to beat yourself up more than he could ever beat you up basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah you know? I'm really good at that. <laughs> yeah. So but that, that has a, that is, you know, largely based on having a good team and a good crew that you work with. I mean, like I've had the awesome opportunity with the keto brick crew, people that I'm working alongside to really, address how I'm going to approach this as a, as a employer, as a leader, as a boss, you know, what, what can I do to best get the point across to them when they make a mistake that's not, you know, seen as a, 
overly harsh or negative way. It gets them to learn from their mistake and ensure that it doesn't happen again. And and that's it's interesting dynamic because you know when you're working for somebody, you it's easier to have like the victim mentality. But when you become the employer and you're having to put yourself in their position and see how they're going to view it, it's I don't know. It's like an interesting dynamic. But I've I've really grown as a person. I think in having my own business, as I'm sure Brian has, and you have been working alongside him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm a completely different person than I was three years ago. And to be honest with you, I really thought I had it together three years ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm doing it's, well. it's, it's funny. I think, you know, we're totally going off on a business tangent, but I, <laughs> this is good. Uh, I can talk about business all day long, but I felt like I was mature as a human being. I felt mature before I started the business. But since I've started the business, I've got so much more of a sense of maturity and just critical thinking skills about me now. Like no matter what happens in life, I know that I may not know the answer immediately, but I can, I have the tools and the confidence and the ability to figure it out in an efficient manner. And I feel like that is something that I, I never would have been able to achieve, you know, working a, a typical job. Mm -hmm. You know, because everything's just so laid out for you and formulated when you do that, that you don't really have the opportunity to be met with the kind of obstacles that you do when nothing's laid out for you and everything's <laughs> flying by the of your pants. That's so true. I mean, if there's, there's in business, as I'm sure you can agree, there's like literally no roadmap or playbook. I mean, everything, there are some certain you know, similarities that you can look at other successful businesses and pull from, but there's so much uncertainty with everything that goes on and the things that you find yourself spending time and energy on, you would never have pictured yourself even have to deal with at the beginning. It's just something you, you jump into, but it's, it's rewarding. And in the moment you, you're cussing it, but it's like, wow, I'm really growing as a person right now. Right. Right. You know, um, I've been thinking about this so much lately that the whole mindset, the whole mindset conversation and attitude conversation and and I've been and I've been coming across uh, a lot of stuff on social media lately that makes me take a step back and uh, really take stock in wh what my purpose is and, and why I'm doing this and what my goal is long term and short term you know what what I want to see happen with all of this uh, I've never been one to like look at one of our products like we, you know, we make a, uh, a powdered MCT oil that is flavored. And mm -hmm. I never really looked at this as something that, you know, was going to end up on the shelves at, at CVS or, I mean, it'd be wonderful, but I never really looked at it as a mainstream product like that. And um, so we've just been trying very hard to build like a core audience and stay true to the message for the product line. And that's kind of what we've been doing with everything. And KetoCon just grew faster than what we thought it would. But when I when I look at all of this stuff, I get I, I see a lot of things on social media that are that make me question the guidance that people who are just starting out in this space are getting and the messaging that they're getting. Um, and I. I, I keep on trying to find a way to filter through or sift through some of that stuff and give some real clear messaging and guidance to people who want to get to want to start building something uh, because there's so much fluff out there and it's very easy once Instagram or Facebook 
knows what you like. They'll do, they know what to put in front of you. Mm-hmm. That that whole um, social media web that you get tangled into, um, I think, is really confusing for people who jump into this space or any space as an entrepreneur, because the messaging is, you know, go for it, jump, do it. You know, this is you'll do X dollars in the first month and X dollars in the second month. That is so far from reality. And yeah, I, f- I feel like social media is is great. Obviously, I don't think either of us would argue against that. I mean, it's helped us to build what we've yeah. you know currently established. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. It 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 only shows a lot of the front end aspects of business and not so much really any of the back end. Mm-hmm. And people have this diluted view of what business and entrepreneurship and creating something actually looks like, and it. It does add a lot of fluff. And when you see people who seem to be overnight successes, so to speak, and you look at what they're doing, and it seems like they've sold their soul to the devil, so to speak, it's hard not to jump in and and do that as well. But before you ever even strive to start a business, you have to have a solid foundation in your integrity and your core values and never stray from that. Because, I mean, even if you make it, even if you quote unquote, you know, just reach all the monetary success you want to in life from a business standpoint, if you have to sacrifice who you are and what you value to get there, it's not worth it, you know? Yeah, I agree. I don't know. It is It is a hard space to jump into, especially with keto, you know, in particular being as hot as it is now, you know, it's, it's, you see a lot of people coming in just simply because it's the hot thing as opposed to something they've, you know, lived in breathe for the past several years because they truly believe in it as opposed to something they see just as a another monetary gain that they can use to sell to the masses and and that's been sad to see because you know you you know it's inherently going to happen because where there is a marketplace where there is opportunity for business people are going to jump in and try to make a dollar but it's sad to see something that was originally nothing but purity mm-hmm. and and no businesses no you know no monetary gain whatsoever it it's slowly become something that is filled with a lot more superficial <laughs> products and services than they probably should be, but it's kind of the nature of the beast, I guess. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Because I remember thinking years ago, you know, wouldn't it be nice if I could just go to the store and buy this? Or um, it would be so nice if, if I, you know, asked for no bread and potatoes on my plate that I didn't get looked at like I there was something wrong with me. or uh, you know what would be a good substitution for bread for instance and now three years it's, it's been three years in three years we went from having just a few products out there to uh, I don't even know the numbers so uh, it blows my mind how quickly this has just exploded. And I agree with you. It, it kind of goes back to our banned ingredient list because those companies that there's a lot of companies that jumped into this space that have very deep pockets mm-hmm. and um, they have a lot of money, but they are making crap. So mm-hmm. they're making something and putting a keto label on it, but it's full of seed oils or it's full of, some you know sweeteners that they're disguising as in another word, and it, those products aren't going to make people well. Those products are going to keep people sick. So uh, yeah, it's it's great that it's grown in popularity, but it's also a curse. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. What, what do you think? It's it's reached its apex, so to speak, as far as you know popularity is concerned, or do you think keto's still climbing? You know, 
and has several more years to climb? Uh, I think we have a few more years. Um, as fast as we've gotten to where we are now, I don't think we're at the peak yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's comp- there's a lot of companies jumping into this space every day. And I guess it really just depends on depends on the quality that is out there and how much success people have with the protocol. Because, you know, if people don't have success, if they're using all of these products that um, have questionable ingredients in them and they don't reach their goals or they reach their goals temporarily, the nature of people is that they'll move on to the next thing. So people who have had some success feel better long-term will build a lifestyle around it and they'll continue to spread the word. But with companies like SlimFast, you know, jumping into the space, um, I don't know. I I think that in a few years, it'll be everywhere and it'll just be kind of like um, another diet protocol that's out there. Mm-hmm. But what what comes next? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I, I really don't know. It'd be interesting to watch the research and all of the findings that they come out with because I've paid a lot of attention to that. And with the ability to, to um, basically cure type 2 diabetes, to get rid of insulin resistance, for women to be able to become pregnant again, um, or pregnant for the first time for people to lose hundreds of pounds. Uh, clearly there's something to it. And I think that they'll find more, more, uh, ways to use a protocol to help to improve health. Yeah. And, and see, that's, that's the, the beauty of it. Like there's so much more of an implication from a, a long-term health standpoint, you know, that that's what I get excited about. The, the research and the science that's coming out with regard to how keto can be advantageous long, long after you've lost the initial, you know, few pounds. I mean, there's, it's much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And that's why I I think and hope that keto will not just been there flash in the pan, so to speak. But it's, it's interesting to, to see that, you know, the diet itself can be done perfectly fine without any supplements, without any products, just simply going back to quality, wholesome foods. And that is, is promising, you know, like when, when you, go back to basic. I think that's that's good. And I have a, a keto product that I market and sell. So for me to say that, it, I think it means something, you know. <laughs> um, but I, I think as long as people recognize that there's a lot more to it than just a, you know, simple lose five pounds of water weight before you go to a wedding or before you go to the beach and there's long-term health benefits that come from it and that can enrich the lives that you have you know, as you get older, that, that gives me hope that it's not going to just die out as quickly as it came about. Yeah, I agree. I don't see it dying out. Um, I, I, I guess when, when we were talking about this earlier, I was looking at it from a product perspective. I think that, I think that there's lots of time for new products to come on the market and the questionable ones that aren't able to sell anything or find any uh, loyal customers, they'll end up dying off. And the real, the, the quality stuff will stick around long-term. For people coming into the space, um, as often as I hear people talking about keto and see people, you know, see something on a magazine cover, equal amounts of time I hear, you know, what? <laughs> What's that? Mm-hmm. Or what do you just eat meat and bacon? And, um, you know, so I don't think that we've, I don't think we've saturated the American public yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's very true, especially, you know, in certain areas like, 
like Arkansas, kind of like we were saying earlier, there's not, there's not a very big keto population here by any means. So mm-hmm. I've got my work cut out for me to <laughs> spread the word, at least in my local community. But but I think, you know, seeing the the growth that the conferences have had and just the, the online space and presence, I mean, people are definitely getting more educated with what it is how to do it correctly. There, there's a lot of ignorance out there still, but yeah. it's cool to see people get excited about the research and want to know what's actually happening from a bio, you know, mechanical and molecular standpoint. It, it's much more important and much deeper than just a, you know, quick fix two week program that people are jumping on. So it's exciting to see where people's interest really is, is headed. You know, one thing I remember when I first went low carb and then keto, I, I, didn't understand the concept of giving my body a chance to heal. And uh, I was very impatient. And I think that has something to do with it too. I, when, when you come to this space after having, you know, uh, experienced health issues and you've pretty much exhausted all of your other options, you come to this space looking for solution I think that when you know that you've exhausted all of your other options, you really have no choice but to give it some patience. And I have found that uh, being willing to uh, have some patience and continue to work towards your goal, regardless of whether or not you see results on paper, just having faith that you're working towards improving your health, that you will eventually get to your goals. I think that that's really important. and. I think that 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 component will keep people who are coming here out of into the space out of desperation. It will keep them following this protocol given enough time. And during that period of patience, when you're figuring out, you know, how to heal your body, you also, by default, figure out what works for you and what doesn't. Obviously, my version of what I do is going to be different than yours. Yeah, it's it's funny as as a bodybuilder myself, I, I've figured out how to drastically change the way my body looks and, and feels and performs in a very short window of time, mm-hmm. like when I'm prepping for a show. Right. But I look at that as a very micro instance of what is capable and sustainable with this diet. I look at the macro of, okay, what kind of eating style and you know food consumption do I want to maintain for the rest of my life. And I get excited about that much more so than anything else. Like when I want and choose to follow this type of eating, even when there's no specific goal or compositional change that I want to, you know, put into practice at a a given time, just simply knowing that this is going to be the best thing for my health for the next 50 years, like that to me is much more exciting than losing a couple pounds to look at a certain way for a competition you know like that's what i want people to get excited about right right and the freedom that that brings oh yeah i found a lot of freedom in 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 that mindset in knowing that i don't have to look anymore i've found what works for me and now the all of the obsession of when i'm going to eat what i'm going to eat where i'm going to eat what does it have in it i that not having to deal with that is uh if you (laughs) It's freedom that I found a lot of freedom. That's probably why you respond so well psychologically to doing carnivore, like you said you've been doing now. I mean, it just takes the guesswork out of things, and you could just right. eat quality, you know, natural, uh, organic meats, and then know you're getting a good optimal f- supply of fuel to your body, and you don't have to second guess your eating decisions. Right. I also find that I'm I'm not I'm less often hungry. Uh, so the foods that I was eating, even though I was in 
eating keto protocol, uh, I, I still had more healing to do. And now mm -hmm. after these several months, um, I like I'm, it's I have more freedom now than I had with keto. I, that what you hit the nail on the head, eliminating or minimizing my options has been uh, very successful. Do you feel like you'll, you know, kind of establish a foundation and a relationship of food doing that and then start introducing some of the like more vegetation back in? Or do you feel like, you know, if, it, um, if it's working this well for you, there's no sense in changing it kind of, so to speak? Well, I'm, I'm open to considering changing it right now. I have no, no intentions of changing it whatsoever. Um, because I, I'm sleeping better at, um, do you use an aura ring? Yes. So my sleep scores are in the nineties every single night now. Wow. That's, that's really good. And I'm 56 years old. So that's pretty uh, amazing. So my sleep scores are awesome. Um, I'm sleeping through them. I get a lot of REM and deep sleep. Um, I wake up, I get up at five o'clock every morning with no problem. Uh, recently I started getting up before the alarm. Even. And mm -hmm. so, and I feel better and I'm able to work a 14 hour day with no problem. And I do that pretty much every day of the week, except for Sunday. So yeah, I feel awesome. Uh, my, you know, at, at my particular age, there's a lot of changes happening in my hormonal system and I'm like, I'm riding the wave on that. And that's huge for me. Uh, I'm actually the only woman in my family that I probably shouldn't say this out loud. I, I'm the only woman in my family still has a uterus. <laughs> so mm -hmm. um, that's pretty big considering what my genetics would, you know, where my genetics would put me. And then the freedom from not even thinking about food uh, is huge, really huge. Do you, are you just um, eating basically pure meat? Are you adding in fats like added butters and oils or are you just eating what you're getting from the meat itself um i'm eating meat and seafood and um i'm eating a little bit of eggs but i'm still not tolerating them very well and i add fat when i'm cooking but um not any more than that i just add it for the purposes of i also do like a lot of bone broths and um stewed stuff so i i really like to make like oxtail stew that's very mm -hmm. uh, like gelatinous after you've cooked it in the crock, crock pot for a couple of days. So um, I do a lot of that too, because I find that the um, the broth is like really soothing. Do you do like red meats as well, like a lot of a lot of fattier red meats? Yeah, I do red meat. I don't do well with pork. Um, I've never really cared for chicken very much, so mm -hmm. I feel best when I eat the red. Yeah, that, that's definitely what I I love seafood, but crystal not so much, so I don't really eat as much of it. But uh -huh. seafood's really lean. It's it's I would assume that you'd probably have to add fats to the seafood. Yeah, like it's like ninety nine percent lean almost. Right, right. Well, salmon is pretty high in fat, but uh, yeah, what's really really weird, and I can't explain this, is that I can eat raw salmon with no problem. But I have a really hard time digesting cooked salmon. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Isn't that weird? <laughs> that is weird. But raw salmon is great. Um, cooked salmon, something must happen to it chemically when you cook it that I just don't digest it well. Where do you get your salmon? Um, I have a uh, fish market here in town that uh, most of their stuff is local. And then the salmon they bring in from Washington State. Nice, nice. I just... Uh... 
we got an air fryer uh-huh. for one of the the wedding gifts, and I've been using that thing every day. That thing is amazing. You ever use an air fryer? I haven't, and I've wanted to so bad because I was, uh, because of social media. <laughs> yeah, well, I I had seen it, but I'd never really thought to get one. You know, Crystal had mentioned that oh, that'd be kind of cool to have, uh-huh. but I've always just I don't know. I, I'm pretty pretty simple when it comes to my cooking. I just throw a pound of ground beef in a skillet and call it good. Okay. Um, but this thing is like the most foolproof cooking like the instant pot is is instant but this thing is super instant like it's full foolproof stress-free you throw whatever you want in there and it has like this crust which you don't really get with an instant pot right but i'm curious to try that with salmon because i could just throw a fillet of salmon there and it would be like i've deep fried it almost really um, huh yeah i mean it's i, I put steak in there i put a ribeye in there yeah. And it has like this nice crust to it, like I'd been grilling it for. Wow. You know, like like a grilled steak would. So, do you? How do you? How are do you? Are you a medium, medium rare, rare? I'm I'm a medium rare, okay. more so than anything. I think. Okay. I, I'll sometimes play around with like, you know, raw and, and go okay. hardcore with it, but I feel like with with that you don't get the crust and like that that good bark right. on the outside, which I think is you know just as much of the flavor as anything else. So I I try yeah. and get. That when you have that, it usually winds up being medium rare. Do you think you can cook it? Uh, cook the steak. Um, can you make it rare in in the air fryer? Yeah, I had one the other day that I I basically cut the recommended cooking time in half. So I I put it in there for like four minutes each side, and then you know flipped in between, and mm-hmm. it it didn't have it didn't cook near the way all the way through like it normally does. So it had a kind of a, a medium rare, um, you know, doneness to it. But mm-hmm. but I mean, as far as like simple cooking goes, I mean, obviously uh, the the perfect air fried steak is never going to compare to like a perfect grilled steak. You're not going to get that charcoal, but yeah. as far as simplicity goes, I mean, just to take the guesswork out of your cooking and throw them there, not to worry about it. I mean, that I highly recommend. <laughs> it's not like I'm trying to sell air fryers, but <laughs> they're pretty good. good. Do you have an extra one? Did you get more than one for your wedding gifts? <laughs> no, no, just the one. But if I had two, I'd probably, uh, I'd, I'd hook you up. Okay. <laughs> There's going to be quite a lot of food. Not that we got food on our minds here. There's going to be quite a lot of um, pretty good food at the conference, KetoCon itself. Isn't, isn't one of the meals at Terry Black's Barbecue right there next door? Terry Black's is right across the street from the Palmer Center, but we're not having it. We're not serving any meals at, at KetoCon, no. Um, they are, if anybody who's listening is, is coming to KetoCon, I would suggest going over there before the lunch hour. Um, if you're planning on eating there because it's not a very big restaurant and they get really busy. I've seen line half hour, 45 minute lines to get in. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it's no joke on the wait time. Have you had one of their beef ribs? <laughs> I have. Brontosaurus rib. <laughs> it really is. I've never seen anything yeah. like that before. <laughs> yeah. It's funny when we go down there next month, it's going to be nothing but barbecue on my palate that's well that and all the samples that come with the conference everybody's got the nice little samples <laughs> so right. it's kind of hard not to uh, indulge on that that's right there's there's um there's a lot of new companies coming to ketocon this year that weren't there last year uh, a lot of them so um a lot of uh different types of bars and um coffee companies, ice cream companies. Um, there's a company called Bear Power Foods coming that makes a uh, meal replacement shake that's become very popular. Pedersons will be there again. Farm, uh, 
Fox Hill Kitchens will be there again and Ultima Replenisher. And I could go on and on and on. We have a few bone broth companies coming. Fond Bone Broth and Bonafide Provisions will both be there. It just blows my mind how many companies are coming into this space. I can't even name them all. A few technology companies, ice cream companies, dry farm wines, epic pork rinds. <laughs> it's it's exciting. I mean, it's, it's cool to see the just the the interest and the expertise and the knowledge that's coming in from a product manufacturing standpoint and from just people feeling compelled to bring something new into the space that they believe in. You know, like for me having a food product now too, I've had several other food product companies and startups on my podcast just to kind of get the behind the scenes as to what motivated them to start the product in the first place. Right. And and almost 99% of the time, it's because they're following the diet, they're living the lifestyle and they wanted X and they couldn't find it anywhere, so they just made it, which is the coolest story out there. I mean, when yes. you figure out something that fits your need, it's likely that other people have the same need. So exactly. for stories like that, for small businesses like that, I'm, I do everything I can to help build and promote them because it's just cool to see them make it. Right. Yeah, I agree. That's very exciting. Very cool. Very cool. It'll be here before you know. We'll be we'll be uh, talking face-to-face in just a <laughs> few more weeks, Robin. That's right. Well, until then, where can people go to, to find out more about you and sign up for KetoCon and, and join us in all the fun? Um, the keto, the best place to find information about KetoCon is at www.ketocon.org. And um, there's an overview of who all of the speakers are, the schedule, the exhibitors. Um, and there's a tickets and merchandise tabs where you can pick up tickets. And about me um, or about more about KetoCon, uh, we have a pretty active Instagram page at KetoCon. And me, the best place to find out about me um, is at the Robin Switzer on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Not not too active on Facebook. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I will link out to those so people can find out more about you and the conference. And again, I just want to say thank you for all that, that you do. I know, I know you're doing a, a ton of the behind the scenes work and not enough appreciation, gratitude is, is shown to you because I mean, you, you just do it all selflessly, but I recognize what all you're putting in and I appreciate it because it couldn't be what it is without you. Thanks, Robert. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. But well, I shoot, Robin. <laughs> what was that? But I love doing it. So I don't really need Yeah, and that's, that's the beauty of it because I could tell, you know, I could tell that you're so passionate about what you're doing that you just do it tirelessly anyways because you believe in it. And right. that's, that's why I want to point it out and support you because I appreciate it, you know? Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on and giving me a chance to blabber on about all the things that we're doing. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, not blabbering at all. I, I found it very interesting. I will see you in just a few weeks. Yeah. And um, if there's anything that you need from me as far as the conference goes or anything else for that matter, definitely don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. All right. I appreciate it. Take care, Robin. <laughs>